If it hasn't happened to you personally, I'm sure you've watched it happen, likely to someone you love. It's extraordinarily painful, carries with it a whole host of emotions, anger, fury, confusion, self-doubt, helplessness, loneliness, depression, despair, just to name a few. It's often gut-wrenching as it throws lives, particularly children's lives, into disarray. And yet, it remains so pervasive in our society. I'm sure you've worked out that I'm talking about divorce. But wherever Christ is, there is always healing and hope. We'll talk about it all coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life, the show that's all about spiritual direction and offering a bit of encouragement to your spiritual journey today. I'm Patrick Conley. Good to be back. And first off, I want to offer a huge thank you to Brooke Taylor, who sat in for me over the last week. She did such a great job, and she even kept up the tradition of Monday Pun Day, um, which I thank you for that, Brooke. You are a pro. Thanks, Brooke. Healing from divorce is our topic for today's show. As I said at the outset, if you haven't been through it yourself, I'm sure you've seen it happen to someone you know. And the closer that person is to you, I'm guessing the more you agonized with them as they went and are continuing to go through it. I want to open the phone lines early in the show today, as I'm sure many people have questions or perhaps comments about how to heal well from divorce. 888-914-9149 is our phone number, 888-914-914. 9149. If you have a question or advice about healing from divorce, please do give us a call. Or you can send us an email, of course, if you prefer, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Guiding our discussion today on healing from divorce is our spiritual director, Father Chris Stubna, a priest of the Diocese of Pittsburgh and the rector of St. Paul Cathedral Parish there in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Father, thanks for being with us to address this important topic. Thanks, Patrick. It's always good to be to be with you and your guests. Uh, very good. Let's start out with some scripture, Father, as we're talking about divorce. And and sometimes this, I think, can sit unwell or unsettling um, with people who either have been through divorce or going through divorce, have known someone going through divorce. Um, Especially, I'm thinking Matthew 19, when Jesus Mm -hmm. gives his teaching about marriage and divorce. Uh, Do you want to take us into that a little bit, Father, about what is Jesus saying here and what are we to make of it, especially in a society that's, well, 2,000 years on from what Jesus was addressing at the time? Yeah, I think think, uh, that's one of what we would call the hard teachings of Jesus, and there are others, um, that when we hear them, and in light of our cultural experience, they they really can be challenging. But I I think we can only understand what what the Lord is saying in Matthew 19 by by really understanding well and reflecting on the whole church's vision and understanding of the beauty uh, and uh, uh, you know of the marriage covenant. It's it's one of the seven sacraments, of course, because it's made that way by the blessing and sanctification of Jesus and the church. But but it's one of those acts that is actually what what the church calls a, a natural sacrament. Um, you know, the, the catechism says that the vocation of marriage is actually written in the very nature of, of who we are as a man and a woman, going back to, to our understanding of creation. You know, that God, out of love, made man and woman for each other so that they could love like God loves us. And in fact, you know, one of the, I'm sure we'll come back to this, but one of the 
beautiful teachings of the church is that the sacrament of marriage is really an icon of the Blessed Trinity. You know, so united in love are a husband and wife joined in that sacrament that's by their very nature, that it reflects the goodness and the love of God himself. So uh, uh, marriage is is from from the beginning, uh, you know, a vocation, a call for two people uh, who are in love, called by God through his providential hand to join their lives together in a committed way. Uh, in goodness and in, in and in difficulty, you know, in sickness and in health, until death do they part. So that 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 commitment of marriage to faithfulness to love uh, is is a significant and huge requirement. Uh, and what Jesus is saying really is that we can't we can't just dismiss that bond easily without a great deal of effort. Uh, and in our culture, of course, that. That so often is is what does happen. There are reasons people divorce, which we'll talk about today, I'm sure. But a married couple has to give it their all and work diligently and rely on the grace of God and their life in the church to really help this sacrament to flourish and to be fruitful as it was intended by the hand of God. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at the words of Matthew 19, Father, uh, in light of what you just told us about what the church teaches about divorce and how it upholds it as this natural sacrament, as you were saying, I mean, Jesus does uh, recall all the way back to creation, right? I mean, he he Mm -hmm. says, have you not read from the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall be one, become one flesh. And as that's as that's going on, then I mean, it, it doesn't look like there's a lot of or any really wiggle room to this. That there was something that was instituted from even creation time that Jesus is upholding, and as he oftentimes does, as we know from laws from the old covenant, actually, uh, you know, elucidates and deepens, and uh, he's really driving the stake down here pretty hard. Um, so I guess I just wanted to say that it's it's he's emphasizing the importance of marriage and, in a sense, the indissolubility of marriage, too, isn't he? Right. And of course, you know, the, as the Pharisees often did, you know, the, the the answer of Jesus is to a question that they posed. You know, mm-hmm. is it is it lawful ever for a man to divorce his wife? And we know what Moses said. You know, that that there were circumstances be, uh, for lots of reasons that are written in the in the Mosaic law that that a person could divorce his wife. And so, of course, the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus. Either way he answers is going to cause him difficulties. But but the Lord goes back to, you know, he he said, I don't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, to raise it to a higher level. And, uh, you know, we know that that the very first miracle of his was performed uh, at Cana at a wedding. Uh, you know that that's not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. You know uh, the the very first sign of his of God's power at work in the world was done by, you know, uh, multiplying the the changing water uh, into wine. So we had a lot of wine at that wedding to celebrate joyfully something that is very sacred and blessed. Um, Jesus is referring to basically the hardness of our hearts, the stubbornness of our nature that sometimes we 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 simply uh, give in to human frailty and the weakness of the flesh instead of really struggling uh, to maintain a, a, a way of life that isn't always easy and certainly is challenging. But but uh, Jesus is saying we, we've got to rely on the grace of God in every yeah. way we can. Yeah. 
Well, that seems like a, a good prescription for all of life, right? Relying on the grace yes. of God. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're speaking with our spiritual director today, uh, Father Chris Stubna, and we're talking about specifically healing from divorce. And if you have, again, tips or advice um, for how to heal well from divorce, perhaps you've been through a divorce or perhaps you've, you've been alongside someone as close to you who has, or if you have questions about it, maybe you're in the midst of that right now or you know someone who is and um, would like to present the situation to our spiritual director, give us a call, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, life at relevantradio.com. And I should mention, if you'd prefer to remain anonymous, you certainly have that, uh, you have that option to you as well. Well, Father, as we're, as we're continuing to look into this, I think um, you mentioned about Jesus actually deepening the Mosaic law. And um, so this is what Jesus says then. He says, I say to you, whoever divorces his, his wife and marries another commits adultery. And it's interesting, his disciples respond to this. Well, if that's the case of a man and his yeah. wife. This isn't the Pharisees now. This is his disciples saying, right. it's better not to marry. And I think to me, that just impresses upon me the importance of marriage, the the care with which we must take to enter into marriage. And I guess I wanted to ask you, Father, in your experience as a priest, as a pastor, I mean, are you trying to uh, instill this in the couples that come to you for some, maybe some premarital consolation or, or consultation uh, is what I should be saying there? Yeah, and I, th- I, I, I think um, you're, you, you've kind of st- stressed something that's very critical here is that, is that the church doesn't really allow people to enter marriage lightly. There is nobody that I've ever counseled or worked with, and I have a lot of weddings at the cathedral uh, of people who don't come to you who really feel deeply in love with each other. That that's the purpose that they're that that they begin this journey, and they feel called to marriage. And so many of them, uh, you know, are rooted in some experience of faith. It may not be perfect, but but they're asking to get married in the church. But but we know that there are so many factors. Uh, in in helping that commitment along, we we live in a culture where people don't make commitments easily. Um, many people, uh, sadly, are cohabitating uh, already, uh, uh, living together before marriage. And you know, something that the church shares with people, uh, it it may be culturally acceptable, but just about every study known known to us uh, indicates that. Uh, the divorce rate among cohabitating couples is almost triple of what uh, it is for people who don't live together before marriage. We we have to share these uh, uh, pitfalls and these struggles with couples who are preparing for marriage. The church requires a pre-cana program where people have to, in addition to working with the priest, really go through some approved program in each diocese. Very often, uh, those programs uh, beautifully engage other married couples who can share with people who are preparing for marriage what it's really like uh what what uh, what do they need really for the long haul and how can they navigate through the struggles and difficulties of life and also celebrate the joys so we we don't let people enter that sacrament without a great deal of work a great deal of effort conversation uh, none of us have a crystal ball and things happen uh, but we are going to do all we can from the very beginning of that marriage until the end to be with that couple 
engaged couples and married couples who really uh, can be strengthened by the by the church and 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 as we said by their life in Christ. Right. And I do think too, as if we're looking at specifically, I'm guessing mostly younger people who are who are moving into that marriage uh, that marriage realm. That's what we are oftentimes, as the church, the parish is is uh, welcoming people who are looking to get married. Many of them being younger, and uh, maybe there are societal influences that are kind of prompting them in terms of this is this is what you should expect out of marriage that are that actually are in. Uh, in some some degree of disagreement with what the church would teach and what the church would say about what what marriage is all about, cohabitation being one of those things that uh, that just says, yeah, well, if you want to live together beforehand, actually, that's a pretty good idea. You know, take a, take take the marriage out for a test drive before you before you buy in, right? Something I've heard that argument a number yeah. of times. <laughs> but uh, I guess with that and with helping to under understand a little bit more about what the church is teaching on marriage, I don't think these younger folks are going into marriage thinking, well, I'm going into this uh, and I expect to get divorced. Uh, there might be some, and I'll, I'll defer to your uh, ex- experience with this, Father, but there might be some who are saying, well, I hope this works out. Um, what would be your advice, maybe just in preventing divorce from the outset or trying to move, uh, I should say, against divorce um, at the outset? Yeah. What would your response I, to that be? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Patrick. I don't I haven't really met anybody that that's going into this saying, well, we'll see if it works out. I mean, they expect it to. They want it to. They have a deep desire or I don't think they would be taking, you know, this this kind of a step and a commitment when there are other other choices uh, in in our culture today. But I, I, I do think a couple things come to mind. Number one, you know, marriage requires total unconditional selfless commitment and that is something that is very difficult today yeah. you know one of the sins of our modern culture is that it is you know the me i don't like to generalize but you know we live in kind of a me culture where so much of life is 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 about myself and what i need people are getting married a little older so they've had an opportunity to have a career they they have other uh, uh, things that are important to them when you get married, you are completely committing yourself to the other person. Uh, and that requires letting go of a lot of those things. It isn't easy. I found that in my own pastoral life to be a significant I- issue as as marriages begin to struggle. Um, and, and secondly, uh, you know, um, our culture is somewhat godless and faith isn't that critical. Uh, uh, even mass attendance among Catholics, as we know in our country, is, you know, less than 25 percent. We one of the things we try to uh, help young people know is that if they're going to succeed, it's not it's not a nice thing to do. They need to be absolutely committed to their life of faith. They need to get to mass, to go to the sacraments, to receive confession, uh, go to communion. These these are not nice things to do, but they're absolutely essential if a marriage is going to survive mm. and be fruitful. And so often when things, you know, again, there's lots of other uh, things, so it, it isn't always the case. But very often uh, marriages can can flounder and struggle because there is a lack of of, of, of commitment to the to, to their life of faith and to Christ and to the church. And so people that stay close to the Lord will you know, also be given the strength that's needed uh, to get through the difficult times as well as the good ones. 
We are setting the stage for our conversation about healing from divorce here, talking about the importance yep. of marriage and the things needing to to uh, needing to be happening as people are moving into that state of marriage to help. Well, as the saying goes, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? So there's mm-hmm. uh, just in getting ready and going into marriage with eyes wide open with our spiritual director, Father Chris Stubna. And I guess before we uh, get into the break here, Father, I just wanted to start at least the conversation about, in your experience, again, as a, as a pastor, as a priest, what are you... What are some of these reasons that uh, you have seen that pop up in people's marriages that uh, causes the the legal marriage, at least, to come to an end? Yeah, I, um, in, in, there are many. Uh, I think I think one of the things that that certainly begins to stand out is is how how easily uh, two people who are deeply in love with each other on the on uh, at the day of their marriage can drift apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and and instead of b- building a life together, because we you know we all need our own interests, we need friendships, we need uh, we, we we usually two people have their own careers. But what in a marriage is being done to build a life together, so that they begin to to uh, be living not just for themselves and in their own sphere of 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 you know uh, livability with people and their family, but they're really beginning to to make the building blocks of a life together. I, I found that so often people have drifted apart so much that they start to question really what do they have together. Mm. Um, I, I know that family situations can be very difficult. You know, we always remind couples, you're not just marrying yourself, you're marrying families. And there can be tensions, there can be difficulties. You you may love your spouse, but, but, but uh, your family may not or their family may not be that supportive of you. Those are very challenging things to navigate, but, but many times uh, those are the things that, that can begin uh, to fester and to cause a, a, a division and uh, you know, real frustration and even anger. Uh, 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 that has to be tackled quickly. And, and I think just honest communication. Um, people do grow. Uh, they aren't you aren't the same people that you got married to uh, even two, three, four, five years later. Um, b- being honest, being open, being able to communicate about what is happening and what what are things that really have to be uh, uh, worked on and talked about. Sometimes those things aren't done. And uh, as a result, you reach a point where it's much more difficult to to take that head on and mm-hmm. and find solutions. And that just, again, goes to show that there are so many important issues that, uh, again, would be worthy of knowing before going into marriage that uh, that are are likely to let's let's make sure that we keep some of these things at the fore of our minds here. Remembering as we're navigating the life of marriage, I'm just looking at uh, a post on the USCCB, the United States Council of Catholic Bishops, uh, their their website on marriage and family life ministries posted a national pastoral initiative for marriage, a focus group on separated and divorced persons. And some of the things that they're mentioning that could that did uh, or contribute to the divorce, uh, communication issues were major, it says. Some found out that their spouse turned out not to be the person I thought he or she was. Yes. Significant, cited, significant, significant number cited differences over religious practices. Uh, of course, domestic abuse, it says, was actually present in many marriages, whether they're emotional, sexual, physical. Some cited alcoholism. Some cited infidelity. Uh, in-laws, like you said, Father, uh, marrying into a family as well, um, job-related separation, 
Yeah, so many things that um, that marriages undergo. There's trials that they undergo. But we're talking yeah. today about when, when marriages come to an end, when legal marriages come to an end through divorce, how do we heal from that here on The Inner Life? Right. If you have advice, if you have questions about that for our spiritual director, Father Chris Stubna, give us a call, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlife@relevantradio.com. We got more to come, much more to come uh, as we're continuing to talk about healing from divorce. So stay with us. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com/quest. <laughs> Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio, on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. My name is Patrick Conley, and our spiritual director today is Father Chris Stubna, who's a priest of the Diocese of Pittsburgh and the rector of St. Paul Cathedral Parish there in Pittsburgh. We're talking about healing from divorce. And, Father, I wanted to start off just, uh, I, I'm sure that, well, I'm, I'm presuming that many of our listeners are aware, but just in case they're not, it's important for them to know the difference between divorce and annulment or declarations of nullity. So can you just give us a brief explanation of the difference there? Sure. Sure. And I think I think uh, this does cause some confusion and misunderstanding among many Catholics. Yeah. But, the, you know, the marriage of, 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 of two persons celebrated according to the norms of the church's law is always presumed to be valid and lifelong. Uh, uh, I, we recognize that there is a, there are reasons why people have to obtain a civil divorce. But in the eyes of the church, they're still sacramentally married, bound to each other. But they don't have to be living in that marriage. There are reasons you mentioned, abuse, uh, alcoholism. Sometimes it gets to the point where the church realizes two people need to live separately. But but while the while the government grants a divorce, the church still considers that marriage to be valid. They simply aren't, aren't living that out, uh, uh, you know, as a married couple. An annulment really is a recognition that the church has to determine that that marriage was not valid, not because of things that happened subsequent, but at the moment of that marriage was was everything that needed to be in place truly in place. Were, were, Were two people able to give their full consent or were they forced? Were there circumstances that... So one or the other of the spouses didn't know, for example, that that someone didn't intend to be faithful uh, for the rest of their life. There are reasons why the church can make a determination that that marriage was not valid because the presumption the presumption is that it is. And so the annulment process is not easy, as people know who have undertaken it, because the church has to defend the sanctity of marriage and the validity of marriage. But we do recognize when it can be proven that if something was missing and that marriage is not valid, then they can dispense uh, uh, those two people from that bond. Thank you, Father. That's a, a good explanation. And we've done shows on annulments in the past, uh, declarations of nullity in the past, so people can search our archives for that. And perhaps we need to have another one coming up soon. But today we're focused specifically on healing from divorce, and that's what we're talking to about. So let's get into the conversation about actually steps that people can take to heal sure. from divorce when they've undergone divorce. Um, let's start out actually with a phone call. Mariana's calling in from Portland, Oregon. Mariana, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, I heal 
by uh, going to daily mass and uh, doing uh, daily adoration and a lot of rosaries. I think my uh, one day I, I prayed nine rosaries to help with the anxiety, and uh, eventually I was able to move on. But it was the love of God that that helped me move on. It's a beautiful testimony, Mariana, because I think I think we talk about the power of prayer, but it is so tr- so real, especially for people uh, who you know go through a divorce, which is traumatizing, which is difficult, very painful, uh, lots of emotions. But I think what you're speaking about is really critical to stay close to the Lord, stay close to the church. And sometimes when people do get divorced, they feel like they're outcasts, maybe their family. Uh, but but certainly in t- t- sometimes people feel that about the church. Uh, and that should never be the experience of a divorced person who who are really invited, welcomed, we, we need to do everything we can as a church to be inclusive of them and, and certainly to be with them in their life of prayer, as you're talking about. It really can bring a great deal of healing. I think there's some misunderstanding around that, too, Father. So maybe if you can just elaborate a little bit more on that, about the place of divorced persons in the church. What's What are the rules specifically about being in Mass and specifically about receiving Holy Communion? Yeah, so again, if you're if you simply uh, have gotten a divorce from your spouse, uh, that marriage is considered to be a valid marriage, even if the church, even though the church recognizes you, you have to live differently or separately. You're still in perfectly full standing with the church. You can come, you can receive the sacraments, including communion, uh, and and really, divorced uh, uh, people need to be close to the church. Uh, to pray, to come to daily mass if, if you can. These are really things that can bring a good deal of healing over time. The, the, the challenge, of course, comes if a divorced person decides to get remarried. Uh, that marriage, if, it, if the first marriage is not annulled um, or, the first, or the spouse hasn't died, uh, that marriage is not valid. And so you can still be part of the church in every way, except uh, you cannot receive Holy Communion. That's one of the things that excludes people uh, from being able to be in full communion with the church. And for that reason, you can't physically receive communion. So it's a cross. Uh, it's a burden. It's a sadness. And I know in my own pastoral experience, we don't want that to be the reason that people stop coming because there are so many other graces, uh, communion with others, communion with Christ, our life of prayer, the daily mass, confession. Those are all things that can help. Uh, we just have to learn that sometimes if we can't receive communion, uh, it's it's a singular cross for us that we have to be joined to the cross of Jesus and and find in that, um, you know, some some strength that will come over time. Mm, very good. And just to be absolutely clear here. So a, a divorced person whose marriage has not been annulled and their spouse has not died, uh, if they're living, if they continue to live a chaste life and if they're in a state of grace, then they can not only just attend Mass, but they can also receive the sacrament, correct? Y- y- yes. And again, okay. we're presuming that anybody coming f- forward for communion uh, you know, needs to be in a state of grace. If we've committed any mortal sins, we need to get ourselves to confession. Uh, but, but just on the, on the face of being divorced, without any uh, remarriage taking place or cohabitation or whatever with someone else, you're, you're, you're certainly able to receive Holy Communion. 
Okay, very good. Just to clear that up. Marianne, thank you for the testimony about how going to daily mass, praying rosaries, going to Eucharistic adoration, that all of those have contributed to your healing from divorce. I appreciate that. If you have a tip or advice or questions about how to heal from divorce, give us a call, 888-914-9149. Let's go now to Margaret, who's calling in from Troy, Michigan. Margaret, good, good morning. No, good afternoon, I think it is for you, isn't it? Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I'm calling in regard to a Catholic marriage encounter that my husband and I went to uh, at the suggestion of another couple that we knew that had seven children. And I just thought it would be a wonderful learning experience for us. So we were taught when there was an issue, we went to separate rooms, we sat down and we wrote letters about the issue, why it was bothering us, and um, we had to come out after we had read one another's letters, we um, came out to a decision which um, made everyone in the ha- family happy. I can t- go into detail on what the issue was, but um, writing letters, no name calling, no bringing back old issues or anything like that. We just sat down and wrote letters uh, expressing what was in our hearts, why this particular issue was so important for us, and how could we resolve it? Th- thanks for sharing that, Margaret. I mean, I think I think uh, you know there are so many ways that people in conflict uh, uh, who have reached points that even seem to be insurmountable can be helped and assisted. You know, Marriage Encounter is one such program that I know has helped a lot of of people who who are struggling in certain areas. But again, we come back to being open to, to, to uh, wanting to know about the other person. You're really doing that because you value that marriage commitment and you're going to do whatever you can, try as hard as you can to work through those conflicts. And, and sometimes it can be done. Mm. Yeah, very good. I appreciate the call, Margaret. Thank you for the testimony there as well. Yeah, we're talking about healing from divorce on the show today with our spiritual director, Father Chris Stubna, and we're you know, getting into getting into the steps that people can take. And maybe that's a good place to start. Maybe there are particular steps, um, and and I think maybe that's one of the things we need to recognize early on that the hurts, the pains from divorce, obviously can cut really deep, Father. So this is not a quick fix uh, for anything, right? I mean, when we're talking about healing, we're expecting a process of healing. Yes, it's it's true of, you know, anybody that has gone through a divorce and is facing that reality, you know, in most cases that hasn't happened easily. Uh, it's been a long process of struggle. Uh, you know, you mentioned things at the beginning of your program, Patrick, there there can be anger, there can there can be uh, disillusionment, uh, loneliness, so, so many, uh, uh, you know, a sense of failure. Uh, th- these things have to be articulated. And, you know, I think it's very important uh, uh, for for people going through this to be able to talk uh, to, to a priest. Certainly, uh, there are parishes that actually have uh, marriage counselors and uh, other couples that can assist in helping people in this in this ministry. There are programs in many parishes where people who are going through a divorce can come together at the at their own level of of, of, you know, desire to be able to share that with other people. But I, I do think there's something in that that you really can't go through that alone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and sometimes, you know, it's in addition to spiritual counseling, uh, you know, people shy away from 
uh, professional counseling or therapy, but there are many t- ways and, 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 and really big helps that can assist a person to be able to move through that process. It's just like grieving the loss of, of someone who's died. It, yeah. it doesn't happen easily or overnight. And we need, we need faith. We need our, uh, uh, you know, we need the church. We need other people who care about us and really want to help us through. And sometimes we, we can rely on professional help as well. I was just going to ask that. Uh, do you, you recommend then professional help, spiritual direction, therapy, any, of, any and all of those? Yeah. Any, you know, both and, I think, you know, uh, sometimes depending on where people are at uh, and, and what they're experiencing, uh, uh, being part of the church, having some spiritual direction, being able to work through that crisis, it, it can really help uh, being connected with others. I think sometimes, uh, you know, not always, but there are times when someone really has been so severely wounded uh, with with lots of things that may have gone on in that marriage that that spiritual direction can can help to heal a person's heart uh, and bring them to deeper faith and help them to grow in their connection to Jesus and the church. Mm-hmm. But there may be other more serious issues that really need to be helped along if the person's going to be made whole again. And that's right. the process, you know. Right. And just to mention that in terms of spiritual direction, too, to go back to that focus group, Separated and Divorced Persons, posted on the USCCB website. And we'll link to that in the show notes as well so people can take a look on that. Um, One of the things that I saw that uh, on this study that was done is that uh, divorce, it says, was often the catalyst to personal and spiritual growth. People developed self-confidence and a sense of independence. For some, the divorce prompted them to return to the faith or to grow stronger in faith. So see this as an opportunity. I mean, the Lord is always there inviting us into deeper relationship with himself, right? Regardless of our place in life, that's he's always standing there with that invitation. And it's a, it is. It can actually get to that point where there's a, yeah, there's a wonderful uh, restoration and redemption that happens in the face of this. We're yeah, talking I- about... Yeah, go ahead, Father. Please. No, I'm just going to say, I, you know, I know for some people who have gone through a divorce, they may feel very separated and kind of that, that they failed in something important, but they recognize the sacredness of that bond. And if they begin to heal and, and do that in the context of the church, in my own experience, we have some tremendously gifted and blessed people who are divorced and have not gotten remarried, but they, they see that as part of their call now in life to kind of get involved, to help other people, to do things perhaps that they may not have ever been able to do. So I agree with you completely, Patrick, that there, you know, God will continue to guide and lead us forward even when the circumstances of our life don't don't really end up the way we had hoped or envisioned. Right. Yeah, very good. Let's go back to the phones. We've got Mary Beth calling in from Phoenix, Arizona. Mary Beth, thank you for calling in. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to say, that I had, uh, you know, experienced a lot of anger and sorrow when my husband decided to leave our family. However, um, I, that was going to be the situation and I had to accept it. We, we both were Catholic and, and, uh, had strong Catholic faiths. I thought I certainly did, but the Lord showed me that, um, I needed help. So I sought Catholic counseling uh, for about a year and a half and uh, went to a, one of our local churches where they had prayers for people who were struggling uh, in this way. And I went there for about two years 
a um, couple times a month uh, for prayer. And uh, it was totally remarkable because I didn't want to end up as a bitter old woman who was divorced, like I knew of so many people. And I knew God could bring me healing of those wounds. And through that, it was just miraculous. Um, Jesus um, took away the bitterness and the terrible wounds that were preventing me from moving forward and showed me how I could still live a life of joy uh, in my faith as a single celibate, you know, divorced woman um, and help my family along the way. I had three boys and um, just uh, he brought lots of goodness and joy into my life. And even though um, my former, my husband, former husband and and his wife knew they had done something wrong. Um, they had uh, expressed a lot of sorrow to me. And, um, you know, but I knew God would have to take care of them in his way. And I could pray for them every day, which I do. And uh, I just, um, my life has been full and wonderful. And even though it was 26 years of marriage and I hoped it would go on forever, um, I knew the Lord could take me by the hand and bring me out on the other side. Wow. And I'm grateful for that. Well, th- thanks. Thanks for sharing that powerful testimony because it, 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 you know, I know it wasn't easy, but, but how, how beautiful that, that, you know, through your commitment to the Lord and prayer and reaching out and being supported with others that, that, that God really can bring healing. I, I think those kind of testimonies are so very important uh, and being able to share them is not easy for people because that experience is so personal. But I do think, like like you did, when you do, uh, you can touch people's hearts. And I think I think part of the healing process really relies on hope. There has to be hope that this will get better. It doesn't seem like it will. It's not going to happen overnight. But but people who go through this experience really need the hopefulness that people like you can bring. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, thank you, Mary Beth. And speaking of hope, by the way, if you're tuning in and interested in the conversation we're having today on healing after divorce, we're going to devote Monday's show to hope as well. So a good follow on to that as well. Uh, we didn't get to take another short break, but we've got callers calling in. We've got an email to get to. So there's more to come on the inner life as we're talking about healing from divorce. So stay tuned. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Santovich, our producer, and Sarah Tafoya, who's taking your phone calls. And our spiritual director today, Father Chris Stubna, as we're talking about healing from divorce. If there are ways that you have experienced and encountered healing after your divorce, or if you know someone who has healed well from their divorce, give us a call. Tell us what that what entailed, 888-914-9149. Or if you have questions about how to heal well from a divorce, 888-914-9149. Let's go now to Catalina calling in from Mount Prospect, Illinois. Catalina, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, Father, and thank you for taking my call. Um, well, I'm just calling because uh, if I'm the person that did the pain, the hurt, and um, I tried to just um, live with myself, I guess I feel, you know, I did get an annulment and everything, but, you know, just 
being that party that hurt the other party. Like, how can I learn to forgive myself? I know the father when I go to confession, you know, but I still don't feel like I'm, I am like forgiven. You know, I have done because I have, you know, I have kids, you know, for kids with him. And it's kind of hard to kind of, you know, seeing that person drift away from the church and that person having another wife and stuff. And I, and I just tried to work that out to see if there was forgiveness and there wasn't, you know, which understandable, but what can you do to be the person that asked that person? I don't know. I tried to reach out, but that person doesn't hurt. Doesn't want to hear about it. Yes. I, I, you know, you're asking a very, uh, you know, difficult question. Um, you know, I think, I think always, um, we can change and God's mercy can change us. And as people of faith, we know one thing that God is always forgiving. Uh, and, uh, you know, the fact that that this, uh, you know, you come to this realization, you're a different person and, and you really seek that forgiveness. We find it very hard because of our human nature to forgive ourselves. But one thing we do know as people of faith that God always forgives us. So when we come with a sorrowful heart, when we recognize what we may have done, uh, that 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 really wasn't so good, and we seek that mercy and that compassion. Just don't stop doing that because I think I think the Lord's grace will slowly turn your heart. You have to remember every day that God does forgive you, and we just have to pray for the grace really to be able to forgive ourselves. Mm. Yeah, Catalina, our prayers are certainly with you as you continue to try to heal and as you look for the Lord's forgiveness to settle in deep into your own heart. And I pray that that would be the case for you. And I know our listeners will be praying for you in that as well. Um, and But just a point there, Father, too, is that uh, when we do turn to the Lord, I mean, that that seems like a uh, perhaps a, a small first step. And again, things aren't necessarily going to be just overnight okay but man, what a great first step. And that's where healing can truly be found is with the Lord. Yeah, I always think of Matthew 11, you know, probably the most powerful thing that Jesus said, come to me, you know, all right. you who labor and are heavy burdened, not only for divorced people, but all of us in life situations, we, you know, we find it hard to do when something like this happens, we can turn away from God, we can get angry, we can question why God let this happen. And you know, we all know that circumstance. There really can't be healing unless we do allow our hearts to rest in the Lord and his grace and his mercy. So it's a huge step. It sometimes takes tremendous effort not not to not to really turn away from God. But he is the good news is regardless of that, it may take people time. He's always ready, always waiting. He's searching us out. But when we do come to him, we definitely as you said, are, are beginning that process that will result in healing and hope. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Stick close to Christ, Catalina, as uh, you know, for all of us, stick close to Christ and look for that healing to come from him in his good time. Well, Father, one of the one of the unwitting, perhaps, victims of divorce are oftentimes children. I'm sure our listeners, many of them are children of divorce, of, of a divorced yeah. uh, couple of a, of a broken family, as it were, that way. Um, and uh, we also, uh, those who have been through divorce are, are so concerned for their kids. You want to give us a little bit of insight about, you know, the effects of, of divorce on children and how the children of divorce can heal as well? Yeah, I think, I think number one, we can't forget that, that there are many others in a divorce that are deeply affected, and most especially children who are often young and who have love for both of their parents, um, 
that they can't really navigate uh, and understand like we can uh, uh, what has happened or why these decisions are made. They have to be loved. They have to be loved unconditionally. And they, you know, sadly, we know circumstances where even people going through a divorce are so filled with acrimony and, and anger and, and, you know, despair themselves that, that they can't always uh, really uh, allow their children to just simply be loved because we never want, want the children to have to choose or to be involved in, in all of the things that happen in a divorce. I think we've got to be very attentive to them. Uh, and as a church, really, to be sensitive to their needs. And that's where, you know, family members uh, come into play. Uh, children have to really, uh, we, we've got to really bring them in close and help them through this because it affects them at a very deep, deep level. Mm-hmm. Always keeping children of, of divorce, uh, divorce people in, in our prayers, um, something that I think, and as you said, Father, in our parishes as well, to, um, to be especially attentive to our kids, of course, regardless of whether, what their family situation is, but particularly those who have seen their parents split and, or are, uh, have come from a broken family that way. So. Yeah, and I know personally, you know, especially with our Catholic school ministries and even our uh, re- you know, religious education programs, that always i i know lots of times where these things have happened where where uh, people can intentionally really be sensitive to the needs of children who are going you know whose parents are going through a divorce we we have to make every effort we can to keep them close to us and and help them to navigate this because it is very very difficult yeah, to encounter christ through his church amen to that let's go now to peggy who's calling in from california peggy thank you for calling in Hello, Patrick. Thank you for taking my call. I just simply wanted to state that as a person who had to go through what a lot of people, unfortunately, don't plan to go through because of God's grace, I am a survivor, but also the children born of the invalid marriage became the ones whom God used to bring their father back, their birth father back into the sacraments uh, before he died. Wow. Well, it's, th- thanks for sharing that. And again, there, you know, there's always hopefulness that uh, d- despite the sadness and the brokenness that happens, that, you know, we learn that in faith, that God can do great things, even e- e- even in the mess that we create with our lives, if we if we seek him out and rely on him. So it's good to have you testify to that. And thank you for sharing that. Mm. Yeah, thank you, Peggy. Appreciate that, and it's a it's a good it's a good reminder again just how the Lord is at work in terms of reconciliation and bringing people back to Himself. And you never know what good the Lord might bring out of uh, out of evil, out of uh, out of sin, out of our own failings and our own weakness. So, Peggy, your your testimony is well welcomed there. And Father, I think one of the things too that uh, I know a lot of divorced people don't necessarily seek this out, but oftentimes when the healing question comes. Um, there's the question about reconciling, reconciling with a, an ex-husband or an ex-wife. Um, and is that is something along those lines, and this gets back to Catalina's question a little bit too, but is, is that something that we should expect, that we should work for, or is it more situationally dependent? Yeah, I, you know, I think I think one of the one of the uh, effects of divorce on on our human soul and heart can be uh, so much anger, so much divisiveness, resentment. 
Um, and those things, as we know, can really foster division. And I think a couple of your callers mentioned that they prayed for their former spouse, which is incredible. Right. To, you know, to, to be able to lift that person up in prayer is something we can do. You know, whether or not reconciliation in a physical way can take place, even, you know, to become friends or be able to talk or be in the same room together, it, it, it may happen, it could happen, it would be a good thing. For some people, it isn't possible. But I don't think we, we can ever allow ourselves to hate somebody or, or to be angry with someone because that ends up destroying our heart. And so the lesson here is to really, even when we've been hurt deeply, uh, even if we can't be completely reconciled, we can pray for, for those that have hurt us, lift them up to God, and, and really be able to pray that we can let go of those things that are destroying our own ability to love. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned this, Father, too, but just to stress again, so the role of forgiveness in there, I mean, it might be it might be years before somebody might be able to actually express an authentic forgiveness there. But uh, forgiveness, again, just as a reminder, we frequently say this here on The Inner Life, but that doesn't mean I, I forget what happened, right? Yes, yes. Yes, I think it would be very difficult to forget things like that. And right. we we have to hold them in our heart. We, we, we can join them to the cross and the passion of our Lord because we know they're redemptive. But at the same time, we, we are able to forgive, to let go, to be healed, not to allow those things that we remember uh, to really cause spiritual damage to our lives. Because in the end, that would, that would be uh, something that uh, we would be allowing someone else uh, to take control of our lives when we really want to give that over to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's a that's a good and important step again too. And healing after divorce, it is possible wherever Christ is. As I started the show with, wherever Christ is, there is always hope. There is always hope for healing. There is always an invitation into healing and restoration, and that Christ can work redemptively in so many important and precious ways. And uh, if you yourself have been through a divorce, or if you know somebody who's going through divorce, um, we'll pray for you. Uh, we'll we'll uplift you in prayer uh, as a result of, of course, this program. And we have many dedicated prayers here associated with Relevant Radio, be that on the staff or in the listenership too. Well, Father, I thank you so much for being our spiritual director today for this important topic, and I'm grateful for the things that we were able to share. Unfortunately, it feels like this show could go on for a good amount more, and we can still continue talking about it. But as you know, we always like to close our show with a blessing. So if we might ask you for that now, Father. Sure. Thank you, Patrick, so much for having me today. Sure. Lord, we're, we, we, we pray most especially for healing, for strength, for your mercy and compassion to touch the hearts of those who, who are divorced or going through that experience for their children and families. Continue. We continue to lift them up uh, before your sacred loving heart. Help us always to seek to grow more deeply each day in your love and our love for others. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Again, if you are in the midst of uh, struggling through a divorce, you know someone who is, don't forget Chaplet with Drew Mariani at 3 p.m. Central, Family Rosary Across America at 7 p.m. Central. Uh, Those are great places to submit your prayer requests. Have a great weekend. On Monday, our show, as I mentioned, is Hope, so I hope you can can tune in for that one. Thanks for joining us this time. Until next time, friends, grace and peace. 